In the book of Hebrews, um, this is last week we kind of had the setup. We just did the first couple of verses, and uh, now we're going to get into the meat of it. And Hebrews is an uh, uh, incredibly deep book, um, written to, of course, people in the midst of uh, crisis, enormous amount of suffering, pain, fear, wondering should we turn back to the Jewish faith or do we hold on to Jesus? And instead of just giving lots of little arguments as to why uh, for these Hebrews to hold to their faith, regardless of the persecution and suffering that was pretty much inevitable, he, uh, he just reminds them of who Jesus is. And he does that. There's three major movements that we find in the book of Hebrews to do that. The first one is that the writer shows us that Jesus is superior to everything in heaven. And then he talks about how Jesus is superior to everything on earth, which pretty much sums it up, right? And then he shows how Jesus is faithful through all time, including ours. And so, therefore, we need to be faithful to him. That's, that's how the big picture is. So today we're going to talk about how Jesus is superior to all things in heaven. And what better way to show that than to talk about how he is superior to angels. Now, the first thing that he talks about is that Jesus alone is worthy of worship. Angels, we don't worship angels, uh, but we do worship Jesus. And that's one of the things that sets Jesus aside. In fact, if you remember, in the Old Testament, every time an angel showed up, people would be terrified, right? Their first line to everyone is, fear not, right? I'm not going to kill you. We don't have the letters written by the people the angels didn't tell to fear, right? (laughs) Don't be afraid. I mean, those ones didn't make it, right? But if they showed up and said, don't worry, you're you're pretty good, and... uh, uh, oftentimes what would happen next is then people would try to worship them and the angel would say, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Don't worship me. I'm not worthy of that. But Jesus, throughout his entire ministry, accepted worship of people. In fact, he accepted the worship of angels themselves. And uh, there's a reason for that. And the, and the author goes by and, and brings this up. In, in verse 5, it says, For God never said to an angel what he said to Jesus, You are my son. And today I become your father. And God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. I don't know how more clear that God could be that Jesus is different than the angels. There are a lot of religions out there, cults and religions, that teach us that Jesus is basically the equivalent to the angelic beings, right? He's either enlightened to a point, he's like a Buddha, right? He's been enlightened and he's like the spiritual being that's more. Or uh, some teach that uh, Jesus and the angels were actual brothers and sisters, um, that they came from the same source of the same substance. Uh, there are lots of faiths out there that really teach that Jesus is just this, this very spiritual guy who is on par with other very spiritual, powerful beings. And what happens is the writer of Hebrews dresses that straight up. Uh, to no angel, the guy ever said, you are my son. Th- this is huge. When you think of a child and a parent relationship, you're talking about something. It's, it's more than just this is somebody I know of. It's someone's of the same substance as you are. Right? This is unique. God never said that to the angels. It's someone of the same position that you are. You have family. God never said to the angels, you're my family. But he said it to Jesus not just once, but several times. That where he quotes from is Psalm 2, where he writes that you have become my son and today I become your father. That's Psalm 2, verse 7. 
And he also said, this is quoting from Second Samuel 7.14, I will be his father and he will be my son, both in Psalms and in the prophets. Jesus is confirmed as being God. Remember, this is Old Testament. This is before Jesus took on flesh. He existed long before he came to this earth. And he's always been God's son. He is unique in this way, and so we can worship him unlike the angels because he is God. That's powerful. But we go on. He has this. But he also is because God commands the worship of Jesus. It's not just that it's okay for us to worship Jesus. That, okay, he's, he's God, and so we can worship him, and that's okay. But actually, God takes it a step further and says this. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. They were commanded. And not just the humans, mind you. The angels. God the Father in heaven issues a decree. This one you worship. Now that's powerful. In fact, if the angels in heaven do not worship Jesus, they are violating God's direct command. That sets up the supremacy of Jesus in heaven, I think, beyond all things. It's, it's, it's powerful. In fact, that verse that is taken there uh, is taken from Deuteronomy 32. And it goes on, it says, regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire, which is a quote from Psalm 104. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever, and you will rule with a scepter of justice. You love, your love and justice last forever, and you hate evil. Therefore, O God, he calls Jesus God, <laughs> Your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. And that is a direct quote from Psalm 45. All through the Old Testament, Jesus is lifted up and anointed and verified by God, called God. (laughs) Set apart, set aside, saying you have a scepter in heaven, which means that he is the ruler. He is king. Time and time again, God confirms the superiority of Jesus. It is not as though our faith came out of nothing. It is not as though Jesus came up and said, Hey, I'm going to, you should worship me like God. No, God said you should worship him. And that sets him aside. I mean, it sets him apart. God commands the worship of Jesus, but there's more. We recognize this, is that Jesus is also the creator. And remember last week we talked about that? And also, John talks about this. How many times in the New Testament, time and time again, we recognize that Jesus is the one who made all things. It's not just mentioned once. Like, this is fundamental, this is foundational to our faith, to understand the superiority and the very power of Jesus. It says here in verse 10, he also says to the Son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and made the heavens with your hands, they will perish, but you will remain forever. That's from Psalm 102 again. Jesus made it. We can worship Jesus because unlike the angels, he created all things out of nothing. Unlike the angels, he fashioned all things and holds all things together. He is so unique, so different, so superior in his power and his presence and his wisdom. He's not even comparable. 
They are different. Again, we recognize that Jesus is creator and therefore, again, we are come face to face with the fact that Jesus is unique. He's not just a spiritual being. He is God. And then, we recognize the next major thing is that not only is Jesus superior to the angels, he's worthy of being worshipped alone. We don't worship the angels because they're not God and only God deserves our worship. And we worship Jesus because God commands it, has, has shown it. But then we recognize that Jesus is not just superior in his person, but also what he does. And the first thing that, the, that we learn here is that Jesus has a better message than the angels. In fact, his message is far better than that of the angels. Verse 2 in chapter 2, it says, For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm. Every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. He's not putting down the angels. One of the very first thing is he shows up and he says, Listen, the angels, when they have a message from God, you know what angel means? Messenger. It's like God's postal service. That's what it is. So if, you're, if you have a message from God, you're, you know, he's an angel. But what we understand is that those who come from the very throne of God to bring a message directly from the mouth of God to his people. And these angels, these powerful, holy beings that can see God face to face, that can hear his voice, that come to this earth, when they bring a message, we had better listen. And so we're not diminishing angels by, by any stretch of the imagination. He says God delivered his message through them. And every message that God put into these angels' mouths has stood firm. And if we violate those things, watch out. There are huge consequences, right? And we saw that time and time again through the Old Testament where God's angels would show up and people wouldn't do what God asked them to do and then the people would end up either getting burnt up by fire, swallowed by the ground, they would get destroyed <laughs> horribly. If they, if they didn't do what God said, bad things happened. And yet, he goes on and, and he says this, in the very next verse, so what makes us think we can escape if we ignore the great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? If the message of angels had consequences if we ignored it, and remember that from last week we, we learned that in the past God spoke at various times and in many ways through the prophets, Right, to our ancestors, but in these final days he has spoken to us through his son. What would make us think that if we ignore the angel's message and there were consequences, that if we ignore Jesus there would be less consequences? God's not fooling around. He sent himself, he sent his son for a reason. He wants us to listen. That's why. And there are deep and lasting consequences for ignoring Jesus or making light of him. He's just not one of a great multitude that you can pick and choose what you want to believe. You either come to him as Lord or you, you face him as judge. That's it. There is no other way. His message is far greater. There, it's not as though the angels' messages were usually for a small group of people for a period of time. Jesus' message is eternal for all of us, for all time. And someday, every one of us is going to have to give an account for what we did with his message. There's power. And he goes on. It says... 
And God confirmed this message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit to Emory Chose. See, it wasn't as though Jesus came and just said, trust me, there is a purpose for miracles. I hope you understand that, that there is a reason why God does miracles. It's not just because he wants to put on a show. When Jesus came, he gave miracles so that way he could confirm the message that it was really from God. He did things that humans couldn't do, so therefore we would know to trust him. Because there's always a lot of people out there that are really smart and very clever and very convincing that want to tell us, hey, trust me. And so Jesus, and God allowed the prophets to do this at some point, but he allowed Jesus to do all these miracles, amazing things, things that even prophets couldn't do. Uh, he, he made blind people who were born blind see. You'll never see a prophet be able to do that, but Jesus did. He allowed people that couldn't talk to talk. He allowed deaf people to hear. He allowed lepers to go back and engage in their life again fully healed. He, he allowed those that were completely condemned and ready to be stoned to death to live a new life full of grace and repentance. Jesus did these things that most people cannot do. He performed miracle after miracle. He turned water into wine. That, if you think about just from our scientific mindset as Americans, that is fascinating. That he could manipulate time and space and chemicals and everything to his whim. He could calm storms by saying, be quiet. There was nothing outside of his power or control. God confirmed that Jesus is God. But the best, biggest way he did that was that he allowed him to raise from the dead. I mean, there's no greater evidence. In fact, history cannot be explained outside of the resurrection. It is completely verifiable, even for us in our scientific mindset. Jesus rose from the dead. God confirmed him. And he didn't just confirm him. He also then did what? He sent the Holy Spirit, which is, we find in Scripture, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Right. The down payment. This is what we have that we know that Jesus really is, is true. Like his message is true. The Holy Spirit does some amazing things in our lives, produces the fruits of the spirit, changes us. He changes us from the inside out. He does what the law could never do. He does what we ourselves could never do. There is an ongoing miracle happening in every believer as we follow Christ and connect with him. There is a change, a new life, a new birth in us that confirms the fact that Jesus told the truth. And why did God do this? Why would he go to such extremes to do this? To verify, it says, to confirm the message. We are without excuse. The gospel is real. It is changing people. It is saving lives today. And to turn our, our, a blind eye to that, there is no excuse for this. And especially if you put your, 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 your feet in the shoes or the sandals of those who, who, who are walking in Rome during the great persecution under Nero. And for them to know what Jesus did and to know that he rose from the dead and to know that he saved lives and to say, that's all great and good, but I'm going to go back to just, I'm going to go back to the law. I'm going to go back to the message of the angels. And look to the power of that. There is no excuse. 
Jesus is supreme and he's given us a, a superior message, a powerful message, one confirmed unlike any other, a message that has stood the test of millennia. But he also shows that he's not just got a better message, a powerful message. He also has a better ministry. He says, so now Jesus is the one. He, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. And that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Tell me any angel that can do that. Are angels brothers and sisters of God? Absolutely not. They're of a different substance. To no angel did God ever say, you are my son or I have become your father. None. But Jesus is God the son. He is creator. He is God. And he has a ministry, a powerful ministry that can take creatures made in God's image, and restore us into a family of God. Now, we're not going to become little gods. Don't ever let anybody tell you that. We will become godly. In fact, I think all of us recognize that we none of us really want to be God. There was a movie out that um, Bruce Almighty that came out. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I don't know if I recommend it or not. But it came out, and it did show the ridiculousness of giving us God powers it was just a lot of responsibility. I don't think any of us really want. There is one God, and he deserves to be worshipped. But here's the thing. God allows us to have the privileges of being in his family. It says some amazing and very mysterious things in the word of God like this, that we will have positions of authority. We will rule over angels is what it says. We will judge them. What does that mean? I don't know, but that seems pretty awesome. It tells us that we will, Jesus will allow us to share his authority, his throne. That doesn't mean we're all going to make a big throne bench and all of us will sit there, right? But he's talking about we get to share the authority of God in heaven. Why? Because he makes us into something more than just servants. Jesus said, I don't tell my business to my servants, but I'm telling my business to you because you are my friends. You're my family. He calls us brothers and sisters. He does something amazing. Though we will never be gods ourselves, we get to be adopted into this amazing heavenly family, something no angel has ever experienced. And they must look at this world and wonder and awe and think, what an amazing God that he would do this. And the fact that he wouldn't just do it out of the best of, the ones that didn't sin, the ones that never rebelled. No, he does it out of those of us who rebel daily and yet have the sense to listen to this powerful message and to bend a knee and say, okay, you can be my Lord. That's powerful. Jesus has a ministry that can change us like no other. There is no other religion out there that can do this. They have a lot of religions out there that will tell you, oh, if you follow these things, you can become a god. No, thank you. One, it's not going to happen. Two, it, it doesn't work. Every single faith, you look at every single faith leader, and they all have sinned still. They all struggle, and they're all weak, and they all die. Only Jesus can change us from the inside out. Only Jesus gives us a new life that transforms us starting now and lasts into eternity. That's powerful. He makes us brothers and sisters. We also, it says, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he was able to help us when we are being tested. I like this about Jesus. There's one thing about having a God on a mountain that's powerful. Throws down lightning bolts whenever he gets upset. You know, something scary about that, unique. There's something about a God that's invisible, that's at all places, that has the ability to, 
to strike plagues or to heal on whim or whatever. But a God like that who doesn't understand us, we can always think to ourselves, he never doesn't really understand our suffering. And we would be right. Because which of us has eternal power? <laughs> Unlimited. You know, we would understand that a God like that wouldn't need to suffer because he's limitless in his power and his position. And he has angels and all these things serving him. How on earth could he understand me? But Jesus has gone through suffering and testing too. You know how healing that would be for that Hebrews, those, that church in Rome? Nero was doing horrible things like crucifying believers. Guess who else was crucified and knew exactly what that was like and came out victorious? Oh, their Lord. They faced death and he overcame. Jesus doesn't ask us to walk through this life from this holy ivory hill saying, just do it, just be righteous because I command it. And he has every right to do that. But he came to this earth and he walked it. He lived it. When I pray a prayer out of fear, my God understands because he too prayed prayers out of fear. So much so he sweated blood. When I pray for healing and, and, and talk about uh, the physical sufferings in this life, my God understands that because he lived in this world and suffered. And know what it's like to not have your body be in the position that you want it to be. When I pray a prayer out of, out of, out of desperation because I don't know what I'm going to do financially, I don't know what I'm going to eat or where I'm going to wear or where I'm going to sleep, my Lord understands because for three years he knew exactly what it was like to not know where his next meal was going to come from or where his next bed was going to be. See, my God understands me. But here's the thing is he walked through this life in such a way that he got it. He understands hunger and shame and fear and frustration and what it's like to be cold and what it's like to be abandoned and what it's like to be betrayed and what it's like for you name it. He knows. And isn't it amazing that in our church, God says he gives us ministry based upon what we've suffered. If you've gone through something, he says, you now have a ministry that way because you've gone through it. Well, it's because the person that's gone through it has something called compassion, understanding, moral authority, right? And our God has that compassion and that understanding and that authority to speak into our lives. No angel can speak to that, but Jesus can. See, Jesus is powerful. (laughs) He is superior to the angels in every single way measurable. He is our God. He was confirmed by God. He was commanded that that even the angels should worship him by God. He is creator, didn't just make this world, but made the very heavens and the angels themselves. He is God. He's got a message that is unlike any other message, one that God confirmed with miracles and signs and all kinds of things, and even the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he can do what no angel ever can. And so why would we ever look for something different? So I asked the the, uh, worship team to come up and we bring this portion to a close. I want you to put yourself in in the seat of the Hebrew believers. In the midst of a time of suffering and fear, wondering, is my faith worth it? Is Jesus really enough? The writer says to them, listen, listen, 
The very first thing we're going to address is Jesus greater than, is he big enough in heaven to do this? He is unique. He is unlike any other. There is no person on heaven that, that matches him. And because of that, why would we fear a guy named Nero who claims to be a god? We have one that is better, that is bigger, that has overcome. But you know what? It's not just those believers back in Rome under persecution that had to ask that question. We ask ourselves today. We've got busyness. We've got careers. We've got life to live, right? And oftentimes we turn to spirituality to try to find this balance, this hope in life. Because all of us at some point, some people come to a point, they recognize that this world does not satisfy. And so they cling to, they cling to some sort of spirituality and they say, okay, I'm going to try to find my, whatever resonates with me spiritually and that's what I'm going to follow. And we come up with these ridiculous ideas like, well, you believe what you want to believe and I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe and they're all basically the same thing. No. There is a difference and it matters. There is Jesus and there is nothing else. He is confirmed by God. He is to be worshipped alone, even by the angels. In the heavens there is no greater. Jesus doesn't share his throne with Muhammad. And he doesn't share his throne with Buddha. And he doesn't share his throne with anyone, but he allows us, he invites us to come and, and to share in his grace. And so that someday we can be uh, co-heirs with him. How amazing is that? There is Jesus. So for us, how do we answer this? So I want you to take out your connection card and uh, take a look on there. On the back side, there are some things that we can do about this. The first thing is, well, why don't you memorize Hebrews 1.4? Why? Because if anybody ever tells you that Jesus is just like another prophet or just another good spiritual leader or whatever, it's amazing for you to say, you know what? No, he's far better than the angels, just as the name God gave him is better than theirs. Think how amazing that is. Memorize that. Meditate on it. Think about who Jesus is. Or how about this? Read Hebrews 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2. Hopefully this last week you got to read the whole of Hebrews. This week, read chapters 1 and 2. Because it talks about the superiority of Jesus over the angels. Oh, time and time, it's powerful. Or how about this? Spend, each, uh, spend time each morning praising Jesus for who he is. Because you know what the angels do? Those who get to see him face to face now, they praise him. That's what God commands them to do, and that's what they would do out of their own free will. They are amazed at his glory and his magnificence. Well, why do we have to wait for heaven to, to praise? This is, our, this is our birthright in Christ. Maybe to start each day by actually practicing what is uniquely ours to do. Start each day with just praise. Say, Jesus, you are worthy. You wake up in the morning. It doesn't matter how good or bad your day is. You are worthy. You're good. You're powerful. You're loving. Man, praise him. It's amazing what happens when we remember to come to the throne and praise Jesus. Or how about this? Commit to Jesus alone as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been toying with different religions and spirituality and things. Jesus has a message unlike theirs. And there's a consequence one way or another. One's a good consequence if we turn to him, but there also is a consequence if we don't. He's not joking. And Jesus wants to love you and to save you. And maybe that's what you need to do. Get off the fence and to serve him. Maybe there's something else that you need to do, another commitment 
Write that down because I can pray for you. Or how about this? Maybe there's something else. There's another side there, another commitment you need to make. We want to encourage you to take those steps towards Christ and obedience. Or maybe there's just a prayer request because there's nothing just about a prayer request. We are talking to God Almighty, right? When we bring these things to him, how amazing. So if there's something we can pray for you, let us do that. Write that down. Here in a minute, we're going to have our offering. I would like for you to put these connection cards in the offering um, uh, along with your tithes and your gifts uh, back to God. So let's pray for all of these things now. Please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for coming to this earth, saving us. Thank you that you didn't just send an angel to do your work, a work that only you could do. Thank you that you didn't just come to redeem us so that we can only be your servants, although that would have been magnificent and more than we deserve. But you came to save us as family. You came to give us dignity and hope and love. And Jesus, let us let us respond to you. You are worthy. Father, I pray for these gifts, these tithes and these offerings that we're going to bring today, that they would be a, a sacrifice of joy that we can give back to you because you do take care of all of our needs, both here and forever. Use them to glorify your name. And Father, we pray that in all these things you would find our hearts uh, worshipful, hearts of obedience, hearts of love for you. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.